Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. Hey, everyone. We are off this week enjoying the holidays, but don't worry. We've put together a little Q&A compilation you can usually only find behind the paywall, but as a Christmas gift, we have pulled some of that content here for you. In this episode, you'll hear my thoughts on China's COVID camps, third-party voters, and my zombie apocalypse plan. Have you seen the COVID concentration camps in China? I have, and we're going to roll some B-roll of that, so in case other people haven't, they can take a look. Um, if you're listening to the audio, it sort of looks like rows and rows of white, almost like a trailer park is how I would describe it, like a, a neat clinical looking trailer park. And this is horrible. It's dystopian. My reaction to it is that it feels dystopian. And the scariest part of it is that it doesn't seem like something that could just happen in China as we've been unpacking these episodes and seeing that we've already been primed uh, to be so fearful of death in every regard over here in America, that you had people that were willing to mask children, people that were willing to let their loved ones die alone. Uh, It starts with a psychological impression that's made by the media that in order to live for another day, you would let anything happen to your neighbor. And this is where it ends. And it's why I think I, in every every effort that I make in my podcast and my speaking events is to make people realize that we have to focus on our humanity. A lot of the things that we are doing to me seem inhumane, literally inhumane, not as in it's not the human thing to do to someone, but our perspectives are no longer humane. And in today's episode, we talked about the IVF industry and the surrogacy industry. And I think that if I had to boil down my emotions to it and in learning what goes on and how people are viewing why some people, not all of them obviously, of why they should turn to IVF, there seems to be a removal of humanity, right? When people have a kid's celebration, it's because you and your husband want to come together in love and your love is put first. Priyanka Chopra just didn't have time. So she had a baby. She, she decided to go the surrogacy route. I just don't have time to love my husband during my fertile days. It's clinical. It, it feels like we are kind of turning into robots. And it, if, you know, we look at China as having a sneeze, I think that America will eventually catch the cold. And we need to be very mindful of these things and don't ever think, oh, well, it could never happen here because it certainly can. And we got way too close of it way too close to it in the era of COVID. Next question. If space travel becomes commercialized in your lifetime, would you go to space? Absolutely not. There is no chance and never. I am one of those people. I'm just good on Earth. Like when people even scuba dive and like, oh, you can go down 150 feet. Why? Why? Right? There's some really cool fish. I don't know. Somebody else can go down with the camera and I'll look at it. I'm just not interested in going anywhere that I can't breathe using my own two lungs. That's just my personal perspective. Um, at people that jump from planes, my sisters did this. 
it was a birthday. They decided to both to jump out of a plane. Why? I asked him. I was like, why? It was thrilling. For the thrill? What are you, adrenaline junkie? Are you a drug addict? What's wrong with you? So I said to my sister, are you a drug addict? It's just not for me. I'm not, I'm not into cheap thrills, man. If I want adrenaline, um, you know, I'll chase around my toddlers at home. That's kind of my perspective. I noticed a lot of people blaming libertarian votes on Republican losses during election night. Where do you stand on that issue? Also, what are your thoughts on third parties? Rebecca, I think the third party thing is very tricky. Unfortunately, the two-party system is very difficult to disrupt. Um, I also think the entire blame game is a little much. There's no one exact thing that caused this to happen. I think if there's the biggest contributor uh, to what happened in terms of it not being a red wave and more of a red splash is that we have a lot of states where we have mail-in ballot issues when people wait until the last moment and they throw in a bunch of mail-in ballots. California, I do not believe California is as blue of a state as it pretends to be that they instantly call California every time for the Democrats. I just don't think that that's plausible or possible. Uh, There should be way more pockets of red throughout California based on my experience and just speaking in certain areas. And what I will say is that I think what speaks to that is Florida. Uh, Florida used to always be, oh my God, watch Florida. And the way that we're watching Arizona and Maricopa County, that used to be Florida and Broward County. And then what happened? The Republican won. They cleaned up the elections. They said, you have to have an ID to vote. And magically, now Florida is deeper red than Tennessee somehow, right? I think the same thing is for Arizona. So I think what matters more is making sure that we actually have a comprehensive election process in general. And then we can fight about all of the other elements on another day. Next question. Is there anything that got edited out of your new documentary, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, that in hindsight you wish had made it into the final cut of the film? Yes, of course. It's very hard when you edit down so much content um, because you want people to see everything. But obviously, um, a film can't be three hours. I mean, it can be three hours, but you can't have a six-hour film. And so there were entire interviews that were cut out. You know, we did have George Floyd's pastor that was in there and he was crying and remembering what he'd lived through. But I had felt strongly that the interview of his roommates satisfied that point. I really, it was important for me to humanize George Floyd. So that was a decision that we made, which was to cut that content. Um, There were more victim stories. You know, we only heard from the reporter in Minnesota, but we didn't actually get to hear what the her cop husband had lived through, which was pretty traumatic, and I really wanted to expand on that. But we, I do feel that we put out the best, right? And we were able to do it in a compassionate manner. I wanted to humanize Derek. I wanted to humanize George Floyd uh, because I walked away, as I've said many times from that experience, realizing that the enemy was the media in all of this. And we all fell for the media garbage, which is making us pick sides. You were either team Derek or you were team George. Um, and what we really needed to, to, to be was banded, united against the mainstream media. How do I overcome the regret and guilt of abortion because I was forced into it by the father? Wow, that is a really heavy question. And I'm glad that you asked me it because I have always given my platform to what I think 
what I hope that I'm doing is bringing the left and the right together on this issue, having been a person that was pro-choice as I was, um, and someone that was pro-choice only because of the cultural environment that I existed in and the educational environment, which made it seem as if a baby was a clump of cells. I genuinely feel sad for women that were brainwashed and then got the abortion or women like you who did it under duress and then have a conservative uh, a, a conservative movement that is telling them that they just killed their babies. It's, it's not helpful. This is, it's, it gives these women a tremendous amount of pain, and we need to acknowledge that pain and that hurt, and not to think that we are above brainwash. Conservatives are brainwashed, too. I saw conservatives that I loved and believed in who fell for the COVID scam, right? And so when we look at this issue and you're in talking about getting over it, first and foremost is to understand that you did something under duress and you are not a perfect human being. None of us are perfect human beings. There are things I always say, I took the most liberal route to conservatism ever. I think that you should feel and you should not just feel it, you should know that you are allowed to evolve, right? You are recognizing that it is a mistake and that you did something um, that is causing you a tremendous amount of pain. I think that you should see that you could be an advocacy for the pro-life movement. You could be an advocate, pardon, for the pro-life movement because you lived through that pain and you can talk about it. And by the way, I think that talking about these things and, and transforming your perspectives in the past, it's a form of therapy that I think makes everything so much better. It's why I always go back to these moments of what it was like for me to be a leftist and realizing my own misery and realizing the decisions and the mistakes that I made when I was existing under that spell. That's what it was. It was like being under a spell. You know, for you, it's very sad that your choice came because you felt that you were pressured. But know that when you speak up, you will create a community of people that have been feeling the exact same way. I have been flooded with emails from women that are just like you, who had an abortion, who deeply regret it, and feel like political refugees because the left thinks that they need to go out and march for pro-choice, and the right keeps telling them that they did something so bad and so often so awful and so irredeemable, it almost feels like, as killing their own offspring. And there's a lot, the most of the conversation that needs to be happening in the middle. So I hope that you have the courage to talk about that experience as someone who is truly informed about it. How long would you survive in a zombie apocalypse? What is your plan? Oh, I am the winner of the game. Let me tell you guys, I would survive a very long time in a zombie apocalypse because me and my husband are very apocalypse-minded. And it seems completely crazy, but we're always like, what if this happened? What if this happened? Do we make sure we have the backup generator? Okay, but what if the backup generator went down? Okay, so we make sure that we have solar. So we've got all of this going on in my house. Then I suddenly realized that we didn't have running water. So now we are, we purchased a lot of property out in Tennessee, like just land that has running water on it. And we're going to actually build a house on this piece of property. And we're basically building it as if it's the apocalypse. So the zombies are going to have a hard time getting through the Tennessee woods and having to fight through to get onto our property. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of sticks and it's going to be very dark. And my husband knows how to hunt. I know how to fish and he's a good shot. And I'm going to be an even better shot. So I'm telling you that I am always thinking apocalypse. That's why I learned how to garden. So I learn in, I am always talking to people that if you don't know what's in your backyard, if you don't understand, like, even what agricultural zone you're in, what you can grow where you live, then you are technically a welfare recipient. If you think that food grows at the grocery store, you might want to change that because the zombie apocalypse is coming. And it's leftists. And they're ripping their fallopian tubes out of their body. 
All right, that's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard and you're still not a member, what are you waiting for? Click the link in the description and subscribe to join us in the new year. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.